whole purpose throughout history has been to teach a small number of people how to become adept at controlling everyone else. Their goal is to destroy all existing religions, save theirs, all existing governments, save theirs, and shackle the mob in a system of eternal oppressive debt chained to a computer for the rest of their life in a propagandized world to make them believe that they are happy in this system. Now, do you think they're succeeding? Yeah. Haven't I described to you just now exactly what is going on in the world today? Yes, they're succeeding. They're succeeding because the American people don't understand their enemy. They don't even know what's happening. There's a method to their madness. There's really not much method to yours because you're operating from a place of ignorance and until you change that you're going to be bumbling around, bumping into each other, saying and doing the wrong things, not understanding the nature of your en enemy and if you don't understand the nature of your enemy and the weapons they use, you cannot fight that enemy. You can't fight the battle. You shouldn't even be on the battlefield. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the time of censorship, non-compliance is key. From an undisclosed location in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. Today is Saturday, July 29th, 2023. I'm your host, Joshua Michael. Thank you very much for joining me today in this great animated contest of liberty and this fight for our future, the fight for our children, and the fight for humanity and its entirety. Every so often, every couple hundred years, every couple thousand years, civilization always endures a transition. And right now, I think we are in a giant transition in regards to us as a society and us as individuals are going to have a choice put forth in front of our minds, in front of our lives. The choice is going to be, do we commit to the ultimate servitude of the pampering luxury lifestyle, which will very quickly escalate to the destruction of all of our infrastructure, all of our humanity, everything we know as freedom, everything we know as uh, prosperity, and all the things that all the previous generations prior to us have fought for and sacrificed their lives, their livelihoods, everything. And more importantly, the inventions that have been put forth in the discovery of the ultimate question of what is the meaning of life, right? So we're in that point where it's up to us as a generation to be able to, uh, you know, choose our path in which direction we want to go. Now, there's a lot of opposition to this. There's some great knowledge that's tied around, uh, you know, this particular moment that we are in. This is not new it's, it's, it's not unique. Uh, you can go all the way back in the history books and look at when societies have collapsed, when they've broken down, and there's been revolutions. 
and revolutions can be steered in different directions. For example, if you look at the Bolshevik revolution uh, in the early 1900s in Russia, that revolution was steered toward the communist infrastructure and dictatorship in that revolutionary state. Coincidentally, a similar revolution was happening in the United States, as you know, Uh, we had the Industrial Revolution at that time. But the entire planet, coincidentally, was experiencing the same movements and the same moments. Um, That's because there are things outside of our control, outside of our understanding, uh, that, uh, that are always evolving and shifting. Then they're outside of our control. And they're moving. And uh, one of the better analogies um, that I've heard to explain this, and, and it's easy for us to explain this way, because, you know, we live, you know, traditionally 65 years, 85 years. I don't know what the average lifespan is. I think it's like 82 or something like that. But anyways, we live almost 100 years long. Well, other species and other animals and, and other things obviously live a lot less than us. You know, like flies only live for two weeks uh, on average. And, and the plant cycle for, excuse me, a tomato plant, right, is, is a full season. So it's basically a summer, you know, six months or so. And so we could gauge what point of the, of the evolution of that plant, whether it be from seed or germination to putting it in the ground, watching it grow, watching it blossom and then flower. And then from there, it goes dormant, it dies, it whittles away, it goes dormant. And, and we can watch that cycle happen. Well, if we step back 30, 40,000 feet or 100 years, if we step back, or 200 years, the civilization in its entirety has a very similar cycle, right? We go through these particular cycles. We evolve as people and we adapt. And, and there's different uh, stimulants that have happened along the way that uh, a lot of the elite class and the elitists that we always talk about, we talk about globalists, uh, globalism, or, you know, the elite class, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, these people have very deep knowledge, uh, at least the handlers do, of these particular cycles. And a book, uh, if you guys are interested in reading, there's a book called uh, In Tragedy and Hope uh, by Carol Quigley. Um, and, it, and it explains uh, in the first couple chapters, you can read it, it explains kind of this civilization cycle and the understanding of human nature and everything else. So back to my plant analogy, we can watch the cycle of this plant. We can pretty much predict what's going to happen next. After you put the plant in the ground and you water it, you can predict that it's going to grow and you can pretty much predict how long it's going to take to grow until it bears fruit. And then once the fruit's bared, you can determine what the ripening point's going to be and everything else. We can predict a lot of that stuff. And a lot of us think, oh, you know, we're just, 
burrowing down in the middle of space on some rock and nobody's really in control and it's pure chaos and nature's beautiful and it's just evolving and adapting and we're progressing toward this great society in the future where we're never going to have to work again and we don't have to function and operate as people. We don't have to partake in natural things like we just we won't even need to breathe anymore obviously i'm being sarcastic but it's important and and one thing that you know was on my mind today and i really wanted to take a step back from some of the chaos that that we're seeing everywhere right we are so attached to our screens we are so attached to our cell phones we are so disconnected as people. Sometimes it's important to take a step back and remember where we're at in our life and in our world. And more importantly, I think it's equally important to give thanks to God in the fact that we have an opportunity today, right now, in this moment, to experience life and all the joys and pleasures and everything that comes with that. And yeah, we have stresses. Our bank accounts are low. We have to think about work for Monday. We have, you know, our kids screaming, falling down, making messes, dogs running around, doing all this stuff. Yeah, we have all of those things in our life. And that's really what makes life so magical is the interaction with other people and watching things grow, watching children grow up, watching them discover, being a part of that and holding their hand along the way. Because at the end of the day, they will be an adult one day as well. And they will have to be making decisions and so it's up to us to guide them and to help them. But if the future is at jeopardy and there is a huge shift happening, which we can't stop at this point, they've already initiated the plan. And when I say they, I'm talking about the globalists. I'm talking about the people that are trying to control the natural cycle that we are under right now, which I call the Great Awakening. So they think that they have enough things in control. They have enough systems in place. They have us addicted to our screens and they have us addicted to our television shows and the new seasons and the new shows. And, and don't get me wrong, I watch shows too. It's a good passing time. It's interesting. I watch them more so for a lot of the pre-programming for what they're going to try to pull next, such as this new alien discovery. There's aliens on the planet and, you know, they're, they've had in, encounters with them. And if you guys watch that whole congressional uh, testimony, but the better question is, is why would they be talking about this now? Why, why are they coming out with this stuff now? And it's the same reason that you watch the Elon Musk and Zuckerberg feud and you see 
all of these other shows and everything else, I mean, if, if you really take a step back, understand life is very beautiful. It's sunny outside right now. And you can go outside, get some vitamin D, go for a swim, you know, do some gardening, uh, go for a bike ride, ride your motorcycle. I mean, whatever you want to do, that is a beautiful thing. And I think it's important for everyone today, I would suggest today, because we're in the dead of summer, you know, we get caught up in our lives and things get so crazy to just take a step back and really enjoy your life and really evaluate your life right now for the things that you're doing, the people you engage with. Are you making good decisions? Are you a good influence? Have you told somebody you love them today? These are very important things that I think we forget and we get caught up. And I know I'm running a new show and I know I'm on the radio and, uh, and we're supposed to be talking and informing you guys, everything else, but, uh, and it is, and we will, and I'll, and I'll get into a lot of that, but I do think it's very important, um, that we remember, we remember all the people that have come before us, our grandparents, our great grandparents, our best friends, uh, our, our people that we know, uh, and loved and have loved and the people that have been so good to us of our undeserving love that they've given us. And we didn't deserve it, but they were there. They were there every day. They, they did everything that they could and they're no longer with us. And I think it's important to remember them as well. You know, um, publicly, I, I, I don't get too much into my personal, uh, personal life, but uh, a couple of days ago, I lost a, a, a really good friend of mine. Uh, he was 40 years old. His girlfriend made him get the shot. And uh, he had a heart attack about a year ago. Um, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he, I think he went into cardiac arrest two days ago when he was riding his motorcycle and he just ran off the road and he's gone now. Uh, he had plans to get married in a year and everything else. And so it, life is so fragile, guys. And, uh, and I think it's important for us to take the time to recognize that and appreciate it and I just want to tell you I appreciate you for listening to me and uh, and going down all these crazy rabbit holes that we go down but isn't life beautiful isn't life amazing you listen to Joshua Michael non-compliant America and we will be right back thanks for listening Broadcasting from the formal state of Oregon in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the second segment of Non-Compliant America. I'm your host, Joshua Michael. Make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us at Twitter, which is now X. Strangely, it's a whole nother thing. Uh, you know, what direction is Elon Musk going with all this weird stuff? Does he have a plan to roll out a similar system that China has, uh, which they have a basically single app that can do everything? 
which sounds like the direction that Elon Musk is going. So the better question is, is, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? That's the great question. But that's up to us to make that choice. And it's up to us to opt into these systems because we as individuals are really the ones with all the power. And it's important to recognize that. Do not let these people make you feel defeated. Do not let my show make you feel defeated. By all means, my job is not to make you feel that way. My job is to make you aware, inform you the best that I can in the short hour that I have, and get you prepared for what's to come in the future. Things that I hear, things that I see, um, I have a pretty good track record of seeing things uh, and watching the tea leaves and unveiling the curtain and trying to paint a picture to where it's, it's palatable and you can understand uh, what is going on to better inform you to make good decisions for your life. I can't do your life for you. I can't run your life for you. I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you what I see uh, and what I think it's going to lead to and things to prepare for. One of the big things, um, the word is right now, and uh, this was on Alex's show yesterday, he was talking about the next move for the pandemic. I think not only is it going to be the cyber security threat, which they're going to state whether it's an EMP or cyber attack, and lo and behold, uh, Chinese malware could disrupt the U.S. military. Ticking time bomb is the number one uh, headline on Drudge right now. The U.S. hunts Chinese malware that could disrupt American military operations, folks. That is a front for them trying to prep the public for where when this does happen, and we've been talking about it, they're going to blame it on the Chinese hackers, which it could really be the Chinese hackers working for the United States, could be uh, an insurgency group. We know about Vault 7. We talked to Draza a few months ago about Vault 7 and the effects that it has and the ability for the U.S. military, uh, military industrial cyber conference or conf group of people to uh, basically release viruses and malware with footprints that make it seem like it came from a different country. Kind of like what Zelensky tried to do when he blew up his own uh, base in Ukraine and tried to blame it on the Russians. And they're like, wait a minute, this is a Ukrainian missile. And he's like, oh, it was an accident. And they were trying to provoke a response and do a false flag um, to further create the initiative publicly to get people to, on board with it. So be aware of that. Not only is I, do I think that that's going to happen, but Alex is talking about something interesting. And I think it's, it's true. We've seen it. So if we watch the World Economic Forum people, the Bilderberg people, what they're talking about. They're talking about an angrier future, an angrier public. And what happens when people get hungry? They get angry. So what are they going to do? They're disrupting the food supply. They're, they're turning off fertilizer. Fertilizer production is down or turned off or disrupted. They have the farmers in Norway and the Netherlands that they are essentially seizing all their uh, properties to not allow them to grow food. Ukraine was the breadbasket of the world. And most of the farmers last year did not replant their grains and wheat. They were huge wheat producing uh, country. That was one of their main exports. So that's not going to happen. So we're in this ticking time bomb going down this pipeline 
of to where resources are slowly getting cut off. Now, why would they do that? Because essentially, they're going to blame climate change now. So mark my words, in the future, they're going to blame climate change on the disruption of our uh, systems and our economy and our food supplies and just energy and everything else. They're blaming climate change. Eventually, Eugene is going to blame climate change for why people don't have natural gas, even though they turned off the natural gas. But they don't think people have a memory. But also, if they can create enough chaos and uncertainty within our lives, we stop looking forward and start looking down at ourselves. We go into a survival mode, and that's where they're trying to hurt us to be. And that's the goal. Because once we're there, then they can do whatever we want. they want because they're not going to be paying attention. We, as people, aren't going to be paying attention when we're worried about where we're going to eat, where we're going to sleep. And you guys think this is crazy, and it sounds crazy. This is what they're actively trying to do. So how do we stop it? What do we do? We could talk about all their plans and, and live in this world of, hey, we're helpless. We just need to be on the defense all the time. No, that's not the goal, and that's not what I want. I want you to get on the offense. And the way that you do that is you can prepare yourself and actively start engaging in a parallel economy. Because when they crash the banking systems, when they run these cyber threats, when they cut off the power and they poison the meat supply and you simply just can't get food or anything, the best thing to do is have a parallel economy. Having local farmers that you have and have conversations with. And you have the ability to sustain and live with less U.S. money, but be rich in commodities and rich in different supplements or subsidies or uh, trades crafts. Like if you're good at building stuff, if you're good at building chicken coops, I guarantee you, you will not be out of work and people will trade everything that they have for chicken coops because I think those are going to be huge. They're not going to know how to build them, but if you do, you can trade those things. So it's important to get books uh, on how to do stuff. And I say books because the internet's not always going to be available. Uh, They're going to use it as the control grid. And so they're going to cut off the ability to do it. So as the food supply comes, and, and this is what Alex is predicting, I haven't found all of the documentation for it. I'm digging in a little bit more, but he's talking about uh, them poisoning the meat supply, right? And that would explain why Klaus Schwab states that you have you will eat bugs and you will like it. We're going to be in an angrier society. Like, why would he say that if we have plenty of meat? It's a good question, right? Why would they say that the world is going to drastically shift or end by 2030? We're going to talk about that on the other side. We'll be right back. Live from an undisclosed location in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. All right, thanks for joining me, guys. Third segment. So what's the end game? What's the whole point of all the stuff that I'm discussing? Uh, And why am I talking about this obscure element of the future and and all this stuff? And, 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 And we could talk about local stuff. There's a couple little things I want to hit. Um, just real quick, the Gresham police launched a new drone program. 
The Gresham Police Department is the first law enforcement agency in the state of Oregon to implement a drone first responders program. Now, if you remember, uh, it's about six months ago, there was this uh, video that went viral online and it was um, uh, the future. Basically, it painted this dark, grim future of uh, this this uh, cartoon man who went through the lockdowns and it kind of fast forwarded even further. His wife left him. Uh, eventually, they came in with the school buses and they rounded people up and they put him in these camps. And then eventually, uh, after his neighbors all started dying, he decided he was going to revolt. Powerful video. If you haven't seen it, I'll post it in my, uh, in my podcast so you guys can watch it. But what was interesting is that there were drones monitoring people driving and driving up and down the pathways, monitoring everybody um, outside of the control facility. So it's interesting. And again, it kind of goes back to the original question I was talking about uh, earlier in the show on what are we building toward? What advantages are we going to have introducing these drone systems? They're trying to build a dystopian future to where they don't need humans anymore. They want to replace us all with robots. And yeah, we are in a more violent uh, environment, right? People are more agitated. They're losing their jobs. The economy's going down. Things are getting harder. People have been so domesticated. They've had it so good for so long. When the rug gets ripped out from under them, they're, they go crazy. And so there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of pampering to homelessness, not actually fixing the problem like the city of Salem's doing with the new tax that they passed, uh, you know, trying to steal money from all the good working people to pay for homelessness. Even though homelessness is rejecting uh, a lot of this infrastructure that they're putting in, you know, I was reading an article that Tina Kotek just signed another housing bill. They're going to put homeless housing everywhere all over the state now and just steal more money from you. You know, that's because... The reality is, is it's a moneymaker for them. They make money on the police state that is created, all the additional programs. They have all their fingers and all these nonprofits. Because if you notice, it's not just the government doing stuff. There's all these subsidiary nonprofits that are out there trying to quote unquote help people. And I don't get me wrong. Some of them are actually helping people. But they're, but they're siphoning all this money off the government for these programs, such as like Arches, is a big one. Uh, there, there's just a million of them out there. They're all getting government subsidies. So those guys are really getting the money and getting paid. And a lot of the political people, senators, con- congressional people, uh, you know, people surrounding them, those are the ones getting all the money. They're siphoning off and creating these programs and systems. So that's really the kind of the point of all of that. It's not actually to help people because they were willing to help people they could. So... That's happening. New drone program uh, in Gresham. So watch out for that. That's going to be really interesting. And this was back in July. This was July 26. So it just happened. So they're going to implement first responders without without additional staffing, because again, nobody wants to work. Uh, They've unmotivated people. Nobody wants to go into the police force. Um, and the ones that do, you know, have a couple screws loose. If, if, if they're, if you're getting into that business right now, uh, cause you want to help people, I commend you, but 
people are running away from that, especially in blue cities, especially in blue states, because the police aren't really supported. They're actually creating hostile environments for the police so they can eventually be replaced with autonomous robots. So what's the end game? What's the whole purpose? I get this question a lot. Josh, you talk about all this stuff, the end of the world, end of humanity, you know, depopulation programs and stuff like that by all these elites. Why would they, one, for consciously want to like exterminate the planet? I don't know. Look at history. Why did Hitler want to do what he did? Why did Mao Zedong want to do what he did? You know, it goes all the way back. You can go back to the Romans and the Egyptians when they were sacrificing people on the altar. Why would people do that? Right? We're good people. Why would we don't even think about those kinds of things? But there are people that exist that do. Some of them are ruthless. They're so ruthless that they eventually clench their way to the top of power. And that was the whole basis of the institution of the United States was to prevent that from happening. And so we had all these safeties in play to prevent that, such as the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and we're a republic more over a democracy. All of these things were meant to protect us from what the founders knew was human nature, and they knew history, and they knew all civilizations eventually led to you know, ultimate di- dictatorship, mass sacrifice, you know, and basically the state of the world that we're in now, where they're coming after our kids, they're coming after our family. And so, you know, why are they doing that? And, and it's, it's it, I, I, you know, I can't get into their head uh, as, as, as far as answering that question specifically, but I will just say it, it's, it's natural. It's human nature for that to happen. The elitists always do this. Because they don't have anything to do. Imagine playing Monopoly and you owned all the money. What would you do? Well, you'd want to like, I don't know, people would naturally, if they owned all the money, they'd start like messing with stuff and, and see if they could get people to fight with each other. And then they watch them fight and it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I paid this guy off to do this and create this hostility and this and that. And yeah, that's more exciting than just buying and owning everything. Because you can only buy and own stuff for so long and then it's just not fun anymore. But what's interesting, and I like going down these rabbit holes and I like bringing you with me. Uh, there's this guy named Phil Schneider who talks about the alien agenda. And it's really interesting calling it the alien agenda. More importantly, the dates and the times that he references for the supposed interaction with the aliens and what they're wanting, which would also explain why the elitists are scared, but more importantly, why they're accelerating this agenda toward this zero climate emissions and everything else. It's not for the climate, folks. It's not for the climate. We know that. You know that. But listen to this. It's very interesting. Take a listen. I'm going to casually mention to you something that's very scary indeed and tell you what the alien agenda is. And it's going to sound very familiar. The alien agenda is the complete takeover of this planet, the killing off of five, six to seven eighths of the world's population by the year 2029. U.S. military has known about this for 45 years. They've told no one. As far as I know, I'm the only person standing before a crowd talking about the alien agenda secretively. Okay. Back in 1954, I'll give you a quick overview. 
There was a created 1954 treaty where Eisenhower signed a pact with the known alien species of the time. There were three at the time. And said that we're going to deal in high technology, but you can take a few head of cattle and a few human beings and you can experiment on them. It's unthinkable. It's stuff straight out of the Nazi death camps, and I'm kidding you not, it's plain BS, and it's got to stop. Now, the great in 1954 treaty would have been violated. After, after the great firefight, the alien-human war, I am the only living survivor talking about it worldwide at all. Only one. The other two are in nursing homes in Canada, and the Canadian government refuses to allow any U.S. people, including myself, to talk to them because they are afraid of kidnapping. Probably the reason I got shot to pieces and 11 attempts on my life is I am a direct threat to the entire system. The New World Order, the alien agenda is one in the same. It's world takeover and the decimation of the population of this planet. Now I'm going to tell you something a little bit different about the alien species. The bad news ones, there are nine races of alien populations. Okay, so there you have it, right? So he's talking about aliens, and this is back in the early 2000s, uh, middle of the 90s, talking about this stuff. But now it seems more valid to talk about this as it, it's, it's not far-fetched. Now, do the aliens really exist? I'm not sure. There's something called Project Bluebeam. goes all the way back to you know the early 1900s of them trying to hoax the public and creating alien simulations to try to get uh, a new war going on and create ultimate control. Because ultimately, just like the climate crisis, as they're using it to seize our liberties and seize our rights, they're going to be using the alien agenda uh, to do the same thing. Hey, the world's captured by aliens. We need all your resources. We're protecting you. So you're going to go into this camp under base, underground. And what's interesting, what's so interesting about this is that same type of messaging is in all the kids' movies, The Giver, Divergent. Uh, there's a new show called Silo, which is really interesting. You guys should watch it. The psychological games and, 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 and state of consciousness that we're in as a society. It's a very interesting show to watch on how they were manipulated and who's really in control and you know, all this stuff, it's, it's, it's a wild show. You should watch it. But interesting timeline, he's saying by 2029, whereas all the elites are now saying by 2030, we need to have zero carbon emissions, we need to do all of this stuff, and we're falling right into this trap. And so how do we get out of it? We'll be right back. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah, I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching us lagging. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money. All right, welcome back, folks. We're getting back into the the alien stuff, talking about that. Uh, you know, what's your thoughts on it? I'm really curious. Uh, go ahead and 
find me on Twitter at noncompliantus. That's at noncompliantus. Or write me an email, jm at noncompliantamerica.com. Really curious your thoughts uh, on today's show. What do you think? What do you think the, uh, the big greater game is? What do you think that the plans are uh, for the future? More importantly, what are your thoughts uh, to stop it? Am I wrong? Am I way off? You know, is it is it hopeless? Is it worthless? Do we really have a fight? Do we really have a fighting chance? Let me know your thoughts and opinions. Because an active and engaged population uh, is a hard population to snuff out. If you're quiet, if you're off riding in the sunset, sitting out on your boat right now, not listening to this show, and you never hear this show or never hear these words, how are you ever going to be informed? How are you going to know if I had the most important broadcast to date right now and you were listening, how would you know if you're not listening or paying attention? I'm sorry, that didn't make any sense, but you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying. It's easy to fall into all the things and ignore everything that I'm talking about. But it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It means you're going to be sideswiped and the carpet's going to get ripped out from under you when this next thing, which they're already talking about doing, which the trains are already loaded, the guns are already loaded, they are figuring out the perfect time when they're going to launch this next pandemic. Whether it's a climate pandemic, an alien invasion, or some other absurdity, an excuse to take away your rights and liberties, they're going to do it. Because if you dig deeper into this alien agenda 2029, where we have to be basically exterminated, most of us on the planet, part of that agenda is disarming the public and basically starving us out. Uh, And they do that through malnutrition, essentially just taking away everything that we've built. Um, And so that's why the big gun lobbies are just boldly violating our rights, violating our Second Amendment, because they're behind on the agenda. Trump pushed them back and disrupted their entire agenda. It's like a giant speed bump with a truck that's got all the tools on the shelves and stuff. Everything got thrown around in the truck and disrupted it. More importantly, the the people woke up because after Trump, they've accelerated things so much that it's hard for them to get away with their agendas because we are so informed inside and outside, which is why we have all the whistleblowers and everything else. And we could talk about that forever. Um, But case in point is what are we going to do and how are we going to navigate around it? How are we going to prepare for when they shut down the internet and they blame it on the Chinese and we no longer can communicate? Most of our POS systems are all dependent on the internet. People don't have old school POTS lines, analog lines anymore, uh, taking credit cards. Most everybody has 85%, probably more now. 85% is an old number. That was back in 2015. 85% of people only had credit cards. Do you carry cash on you? Do you use cash? Do you ever do any trade with people? Do you ever barter? Or are you just using your Apple Pay, walking around with your cell phone, and not thinking anything of it? You're just thinking, oh, this is very convenient. But what happens when they turn off the money supply? What happens when they restrict you from being able to buy stuff? What do you do then? How do you subsidize anything that you need? How are you able to buy food for your family? 
How are you able to uh, survive with that? So these are things that you really want to think about. And these are good questions to, uh, uh, to concern yourself because here's something interesting. Now, I don't know if you guys know Dr. Saeed, a great doctor. I've recommended uh, his formulas and website. Uh, I think it's myfreedoctor.com. You can go there. He has emergency antibiotic kits you can buy right now. Um, but he just sent out a tweet a couple days ago. And this is something, this is kind of a red herring. This is kind of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Overton window of kind of looking into the future, right? Uh, but he says, uh, I just tweeted about how my business bank account and PayPal were shut down with no notice for no reason, and today, my Airbnb rental was canceled three days into a 28-day stay, and now Marcola, Dr. Marcola, tweets that his bank accounts, along with those of his CEO and CFO, and their spouses and children, are also shut down with no reason and no due process. This is the passive-aggressive, dystopian, woke, social credit hellscape that is in our dying country. And then if you look at the tweet from uh, Dr. Joseph Marcola, which is a fascinating doctor. Now, keep in mind, these are America's frontline doctors. These are the real heroes. These are the real heroes out on the forefront. Because keep in mind, this is kind of a tail end of what happened to them. On May of 2020, when they came out and said, hey, we have uh, different subsidies, different... Uh, you know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and, you know, you guys don't have to be scared. You don't have to wear masks. You don't have to hide in your caves anymore. We have a cure or at least a prophylactic that's definitely going to help. Now, these doctors, these brave doctors went in the Supreme Court capital steps and they made this big thing. <clears throat> these are part of that. But they also got, uh, they got um, de-licensed, de-platformed, de-platformed and all this stuff happened. So, but Dr. Marcola writes, Chase Bank has shut down our business bank accounts along with the accounts of my CEO and CFO, as well as their family members, including spouses and children. They've refused to provide any reason for doing so. The oldest account has been active for 18 years. This is the importance of cash. This is the importance of <clears throat> parallel economy. This is the importance of having commodities available to trade and do trade for where when this does happen. Just like the truckers in Canada. In Canada, remember Trudeau famously shut down all the bank accounts of all of the truckers that were protesting uh, in Canada. And Trudeau was patting himself on the back saying, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, you know, congratulations why he worships China. So all this stuff has a trend and it all has a pattern. It's always important to watch your six and, uh, and keep your head on a swivel. A couple things I know we did, uh, didn't mention too much about survival stuff. We didn't dive deep too much about that, um, but I just felt that today's show uh, was kind of a, a broad stroke and I wanted to get uh, everybody's thoughts and feelings <clears throat> on how do we combat this oncoming onslaught of shutdown of our economy and our system. But just real quick, another uh, quick little piece out of the Civil Defense Manual. If you have not picked it up yet, I highly suggest it. It's called the Civil Defense Manual. Uh, it's written by special operations soldiers and contributing author experts. And it's how to prepare, prepare and protect your neighborhood from disaster, riot, and civil unrest. And it's written by Jack Lawson. Fascinating book. Very informative. Again, I highly recommend everybody get it. 
and everybody start enacting the things that it does. It talks about setting up your your own factions within your neighborhoods, finding out who people are, uh, you know, running the social filtering, making sure, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not going to be bad for your group in the future and doing different things. But for a prolonged crisis, this is just a little piece out of it uh, I wanted to read. You should have a, 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 a few items, right? There's a few additional items for a prolonged crisis. That means longer than a month, right? A sustainable alternative power source. Specialized items needed for catastrophic events listed further in the chapter. What's needed for extraordinary catastrophic events? Talking about biological warfare, nuclear warfare, famine, different things like that. Catastrophic events, floods, different stuff like that. So you want to think about that. Vehicles and reserve fuel. That's a given. More food and ammunition. And then some more food and ammunition. So you can't have enough. Because remember, if you got 15 servings that are worth 15 servings for a day, that'll feed, uh, you know, three people for five days. You know what I'm saying? So thank you guys very much for listening. Joshua Michael, Non-Compliant America. I hope this show helps. And make sure to like and subscribe. Have a wonderful week and watch your six. We'll see you next week. Reaching out for something and you got the feel. What's watching the one you thought was real. Kicking at a dead horse pleases you. No way.